Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode from Avondale Baptist Church. We are so happy to be sharing the Word of God with you and hope that this message is a blessing to you. And now, here's Brother Richard. We're going to be ending our, our series today, finishing up uh, the game. How's your race doing? We started that off and knowing that we are all in a race, right? We're all in a, in a different type of race for each of us, you know, but we're all in a race and we have to persevere. And we've talked about how sometimes we could just be tired sometimes. You know, sometimes we're just tired of just sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, and then we talked about how we have to train ourselves. Talked about the habits, how we have to begin to have good habits in order to persevere. You know, just like you training uh, for a race. You know, you you can't. I told you that I just can't just get on a treadmill and start running, right? I have to take it slow, and which that's been pretty good for me, by the way. Of those of you uh, are thinking, is he still running? Yes, I think I might have lost a pound or two. Uh, and then Todd talked about how it's a fight. Put on the boxing gloves, right? And, and then today we're going to talk about teamwork. How the race that we're running, it's, it requires us to be a team. We're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Father God, I just come to you asking you that you would just keep us away from any distraction. Clear our minds, open our hearts to what you have to say this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God's design for our lives is to journey with other believers. Okay, we're as a team. We are here for a team. That's kind of what Avondale's motto is, right? Living life together, you know, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, the good, the bad and the ugly. Right. Right. It's under the lordship of Jesus. Jesus is the one that leads this team. Jesus is the one who leads this family. And we are, as believers, should be part of this team so that our labor for God's kingdom will be more effective. We're in a team so that our labor, our work for God's kingdom will be more effective and that we can also be there for one another during difficult times, during opposition Athletes are, they rarely rely on their own individual uh, effort. You know, as I was uh, studying this and doing, going over the sermon, I couldn't help but to think of, 
of Tarina, her, her journey to making the state track meet. You know, she's by herself. When it comes down to it, when it's game time, it's just you and that eight-pound ball, right? It's eight-pound. And that's it. But she didn't get there on her own. She had a team of coaches. She had a team of encouragers that walked alongside of her journey to get her where she needed to be. Even though when it was game time, she was on her own, she was by herself in that circle, she didn't get there on her own. And it's the same thing in our race, in our Christian journey, in our Christian walk, we are not supposed to do it alone. We are not supposed to be isolated. And we've gone for three years now where a lot of us experience isolation. But it's a team work. It's a team that is for God's kingdom. It's for the advancement of his kingdom, but also for us, for to lift one another, to encourage one another, to maybe to have a show going through life. And what I like about these team work, especially in the sports analogy, that the team success is determined by the level of their teamwork. See, Tarina's level of success of making it to the state track meet was the determination of the level of her coaches, her family, her peers that cheered her on. And likewise, as followers of Jesus who seek to run the race that we are all on, the race that God has set before us, has set before me, and has set before you, working with others to advance the kingdom of God. And also for our teamwork to enhance our performance. Well, let me ask you this. How's your performance? How's your race? Do you feel like you're going... Through it alone, do you feel like you've kind of been stepped aside from really getting plugged into church? Have you felt like just in a, in a season of being isolated? It's a dangerous path to be on when we start feeling that way. We're going to be looking at these verses, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And these verses are often quoted at weddings. But however, the truth of the passage applies to all of us. And it includes relationships beyond marriages. And from this passage, we're going to see the vital importance of being in a genuine, uh, genuine relationship with other believers. Rather than striving through life alone. In isolation. So Ecclesiastes. Chapter 4. Starting in verse 9. 
Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, he says again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and the threefold cord is not quickly broken. Two is better than one. He begins this passage by saying that two are better, right? Two is better than one. Three is better than two. Four is better than three. Keeps going on and on. But two are better than one. God never meant for us to go through life flying solo. Never to fly solo. Now, you may be thinking, well, I'm flying solo in a relationship. Maybe I don't have a man or I don't have a, a, a girl relationship. But God, you have the community of believers. You have a community of believers that you are part of the family. And you didn't even have to buy an RV. You just are part of the kingdom of God. And you are not alone. We are not meant to go through life flying solo. We need one another. The joy of togetherness brings hope. It brings faith. It grows our faith. And I love on Acts chapter 2, if you want to turn there or I got it up on the screen, Acts chapter 2. It says that they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of the bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostle. Now all who had believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing, continually, daily, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of the heart and praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. There was a great fire. There was a great awakening. I don't know if you know this, but today is Pentecost Sunday. Do we see that church now in today's time? Do we see that fire where we're breaking bread together? We're, we're going to church. Man, if I could go to church every day, could you imagine? Man, would we be that excited? Man, let's go to church every day. We'd be like, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor Richard. That's, you're talking about going to church every day? Yes. Fellowshipping every day. Being in prayer every day. Breaking bread. Eating together every day. 
Oh, wouldn't that be a beautiful church? See, they were, they were, they experienced the Holy Spirit and they saw the change in people. They saw it to a, to a point where they were willing to give up everything and sell everything and give those to the needy and to live life together, not separately. We are to live together. Oh, that's a beautiful thing of the New Testament church. That's the church I want to be. That's the church I would like for us, Avondale, to be where we just have this amazing love for Jesus because Jesus has done a miracle in, in, in every single one of our lives, and we just want to share. And we just want to sit down and talk about Jesus every single day of our lives. But let's be honest. It's just hard to come to church one hour a week. Hard to come to church one hour a week. See, the scripture says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. See, they devoted themselves. It was more than just hearing. It was more than just, hey, okay, I hear you. Fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. What are we missing? We're living in a broken world. We're seeing tragedy after tragedy. There's only two hopes for the world. We've said this before. Either Jesus comes now or the church steps up and really be the church. And I'm sorry, but if some of us, if Jesus was here now, we're not ready for him. We're not ready for him. See, we have to belong into this community. We can't do church alone. I can't do church alone. You can't do church alone. But what drives us, and that's what I just loved about our Sunday school lesson this morning. We had a very powerful discussion of, of, of Acts and, and how the church spread after Stephen's um, uh, Death when he got stoned to death, and then we saw that uh, when Saul uh, had his transformation on the road of Damascus, and he had his encounter with Jesus, and his life was totally changed. And then we were talking about how how Paul got stoned near to death, and they just left him there to die. But what happened was other believers came, and they came. You can say came to his rescue. And we learned that after he got up, he came to and he was pocket. Just imagine how beat up and how bruised he was. He didn't run the other way. He went back to that city, to that city that was stoned him, that was going to stone him to death. He had passion. He, 
he had that something that was driving him, and it was Jesus. It was Jesus. And some of us, we go through a little bit of trial, and we would just want to run the opposite direction. And he says, no. You continue to move forward. How silly would it have been if, if we see an Olympic track uh, star running the race and they get discouraged because they're in last place and they just turn around and start running the opposite direction. God calls us to continue to move forward. Why? Because you've had an encounter with Christ. If you sit there, if you sit there and you say that you, haven't, you, you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit in you. And that same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that resides in you. But a lot of times it's us that quenches that spirit. And sometimes, or a lot of times, we need to be encouraged. We need to be praying for one another. We need to make sure that we're living life together. Second thing is that teamwork, it produces a greater reward. Paul talks about Ecclesiastes, I'm sorry, says says that teamwork produces the reward that individual work. Could you imagine the power in numbers? How much power is there in numbers? In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says that after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Jesus sent them, not alone. And he sends us out to not be alone it takes the team it takes the body of believers to work together yes we have different gifts talents different parts of the body but yet one body but you have to be connected to the body that's the thing you have to be Connected to the body. I think of a, a, a dog sled. You know, in the, you see those Alaskan races where the dogs, and there's like 16 dogs or 8 dogs, and, and uh, they all rely on each other's strength. You have the, the dog that's the leader, and he's usually the most uh, trained and, and uh, experienced dog, and he knows uh, how to get the other dogs going, but it's not... The head is not the first dog of the of the sled that relies on all his strength. It relies on the other dogs to help pull that sled. And when they get a new dog to to train and they usually team that that new dog with an older dog and more experienced dog. So the younger dog can learn from the older older dog. I'm not calling us dogs. But it's very important for the older generation to be connected with the younger generation. 
We're living in a, in a society now where we just see the vision. There is no unity. It's, it's the old against the young. It's the blacks against the whites. It's the Republicans against the Democrats. All that is not going to matter. We have to begin to know that we, if we work together as a team, as a family, we could do far and greater things than what we could do on our own. But it has to be with Jesus at the forefront. Not Pastor Richard, not the deacons, not Avondale. It has to be Jesus at the forefront and leading us in the direction that we need to go. And we rely on his strength. But we have to do it together. Teamwork. Third. When we fall. When we fall in life. We have the opportunity, the obligation to pick each other up. If either of them falls down, one can help the other. But he says, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. At times, we, we're all going to need help. We're all going to need help to stand against the various things in life. Those things in life that seeks to knock us down. Anxiety, depression. Maybe heard of a, from, a, uh, from, a hurt from somebody else that caused pain on you or, or death of a loved one. Maybe financial hardship. Sin. Sickness, despair, tragedy, weariness, emotional pain. We can keep going on and on and on, and the list just gets bigger and bigger. And I bet that every single one of us has experienced one, two of those, three of those. We need each other. We need each other. There was a, a video of a, in the Olympic Games, and uh, there was this runner, Derek Redman, and he was running for the race. And you might have seen this, but he pulled a hamstring in the middle of his run, and he he was hurting. He was hurting bad, but he wanted to keep going. He wanted to keep going. He wanted to finish the race. He already lost the race, and from a distance, there was a guy. That ran from the audience, came to the track field. The officials, track officials was trying to stop him, and he's like, no. And you can see, he says, that's my son. That's my son. And he goes, and he picks him up, and he walks, and he's carrying him as he finishes. And the official's like, no, you got to rest. You got to stop. You gotta. He's like, no, he wants to finish. He needs his help. We need the Father's help. And we also need 
each other. It allows us that teamwork, living life together. It allows, us, it allows us to endure against the challenges and the difficulties of life. He says, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? He's explaining, Solomon is explaining that the harsh elements of the cold can have a devastating effect on a person, but however, with another person, they can overcome the harshness of the cold, the harshness of the world, the harshness of life. Because let's be honest, life is brutal. It can be brutal. It will be brutal. That's why the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10, I think I got that up. Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 24, it says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's continue to be a community of believers where we love God and we love others. And being encouragers, because I tell you what, there's people in here that can use some encouragement. There's some people here that could be lifted in your prayers. And stir. Stir each other up. Stir each other up to what? To finish the race. Have you ever had that, somebody in your life that is just, they have that gifting of being an encourager? Man, you could go and you could talk to them, and no matter what you've done, no matter how embarrassing it was, you know that that person is going to encourage you. We need more people like that. We cannot do this journey alone. And then finally, being together helps us be protected. It helps us get it, protects us from against the opposition of just life of the devil attacks. He says, Solomon says in 4 verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves and we know that we are in a spiritual battle we are in a spiritual warfare we talked about how Ephesians 6 that we need to be suited up with the armor of God and I just love the, the analogy of the fire department and what we do when we get ready, when that alarm sounds and we get into our gear and we jump in that truck and we take off and when we arrive on scene where that, burn, that building is on fire and before we go inside of a burning building, the first thing we do when we get out of a truck is we do the buddy system. We make sure that there is no skin showing. 
Because why? That is the weakest part. And if we could get, if we get into some heat, anything, any skin that is exposed, we will feel it. How's your armor? How's your armor? We cannot go out without our armor. And we have to have people. We have to have people in our lives. Todd, you suited up? Mitzi, you suited up? Gary, you're suited up? Don't go out there. Let's check how you are spiritually. You've been in the Word. You've had your prayer life. Oh, that's, you're being too nosy, Richard. Ah, right? But we have to, church. We have to hold each other accountable. We have to grow. We have to make sure this is not a game. We are in a spiritual war. First Peter, do I have that up, Stephen? First Peter, chapter 5. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Man, there's some of us that are trying to feed that lion with by our hand. I heard a story of a guy who had a pet snake, and he loved this snake. Don't, I don't know why anybody would fall in love with the snake, but he loved this snake so much that he started sleeping with it. He would sleep, the snake would sleep in his bed, and he would take the snake to the vet and get caught up in its shots. I guess rabies, I don't know. Snakes get rabies, I don't know. Probably not. But he would sleep with the snake. But he says he noticed as the snake was getting bigger, it was acting funny. And what the snake would do was it would, instead of sleeping a curl, it would sleep long, long ways. And that wasn't normal. And so he went to the vet and told the vet, hey, this is what the snake is doing. It's been doing this for about a week as it's getting bigger. It's just, it just right, lays right next to me and just in a straight and I don't know what's going on. And the vet says, you need to get rid of that snake. He says, you need to get rid of that snake right away. Do not sleep with that snake another night. And he was like, why? He says, because the snake is sizing you up because he's about to eat you. And that's what they do. The snake was sizing him up, getting ready to devour him. We do that. Man, we do that so often. We allow things in our minds. We allow things in our ears. We allow things to we see things that we shouldn't be seeing. We hear things that we shouldn't be hearing. We're acting way way we shouldn't be acting. We should so many things that can relate to a snake. And it's just waiting. Just get you. What is it that you're struggling with? 
What is it that you're dealing with that God is saying, get rid of it? Get rid of it. Allow him to work. Allow him to be the Lord of your life and surrender. Final. Solomon shares is that a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Again, we, we hear this all the time in weddings. The passage is, is associated with weddings and, and for the threefold cord consists of the bride, the groom, and, and God and Jesus. Naturally, marriages tend to become stronger when Jesus is a part of their relationship. But however... The verse in its context is merely for us. There's strength in numbers. See, when we choose to do life together with others and to be a team, then we stand a much better opportunity of experiencing victory than running alone. We experience more victory if we do it together. I always go back and I think of when I hear isolation and I hear God that is alone, I always go back to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 is the demon-possessed man. He was so out of his mind. He was so uh, controlled by the spirits and the community couldn't handle him. So they just left him with the dead. But what happened was he had an encounter with Jesus. And what I love about this story is that it says that he came to his right mind and he was fully clothed. And he, guess what? He wanted to be part of the team. He's like, Jesus, I want to go with you. He's like, no, you go. You go back to your community. And you go share what I have done. And I could just imagine how the gospel got spread there. So how is your journey as Gary comes up? And as we're closing. Gary, I'm just going to ask if you just begin to play. Maybe you've been in isolation long enough, and it's time. It's time to, to get back in the groove of things. It's time to get plugged into the church. It's, it's time to serve. It's time to start thinking of the, the kingdom of God and the advancements of the God and, and what God wants to do and, and, and use you for. Take that time. Maybe you've got to rededicate your life. Man, come. Maybe you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is where you start. Maybe you struggle with your mind. Maybe you struggle with your finances. Maybe with your relationship. Maybe you're going through some hardship now. And you feel like you're alone. You're not alone. That's what the enemy wants us to feel. is like we're doing life alone. And we're not. So just take this time.
Take this time to listen to the Holy Spirit. If you want to come and pray, I will pray over you. There's Greg back there in the back. He could pray over you. Or if you just want to spend some alone time here at the altar, you're welcome. I'll ask that everybody just bow their heads and close their eyes. And what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Father God, for this wonderful message. We pray that it has been a comfort and a blessing to our listeners. Thank you for taking the time to join us here at Avondale Baptist Church. Until we see you again, always remember, Jesus loves you.